1: Is the Steelers standard on Steelers nation radio and podcast on Steelers.com. NFL combine is underway in Indianapolis. We got the crew out there for SNR West Dale, Matt, Max Starks, Arthur Motes, um, giving you some great radio coverage from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day this week. Um, and the best part about doing our shows out there is the access that you get to some really big movers and shakers in the NFL. You know, they're all at Indianapolis themselves. They're all walking around on Radio Row. Um, a lot of times it's as easy as, Hey, Daniel Jeremiah, can you come over here and sit down for us for a second? It's a, it's a Great Cosell, come over here and sit down with us. And those are two guys that the Steelers and Dale Lawley, Matt, West, Max, the crew, were able to talk to uh, over the past couple of days. And I wanted to start with what they uh, talked to with NFL scout Daniel, former NFL scout Daniel Jeremiah, who now works for NFL.com at, as a draft expert and his comments on the draft uh, overwhelmingly positive for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm. He thinks that this is a draft class that will set up well for Pittsburgh. Uh, He said in joining the drive on Tuesday this week, if you need a corner or a tackle, it's a good draft. Uh, The tricky thing is for them, you're going to have to pass up on the center. And if you pass up on your center, you're probably going to have to wait then until round three or four to pick the center that you'll need. Uh, Jackson, Powers, Johnson, Dukes, Graham Barton, and West Virginia Zach Frazier uh, are the top three centers, according to Jeremiah, but those are first-round or early second-round picks, and then he sees a gap between uh, that position and the next positions. but the tackle spot, Daniel is very high on that. He thinks there's eight potential first-round picks at the tackle position. To put that in perspective, last year, Broderick Jones was number four out of five tackles taken in the first round, so... Daniel Jeremiah, a little speculation that that could increase by three uh, tackles taken in the first round. very deep class as far as the tackle position is concerned. Um, and pretty much the same way when it comes to the cornerback position. Um, we'll get to some corners that he mentioned first, but you know, I like hearing that from him that it's deep in tackle, that it's deep in corner. Um, I think the toughest decision, based on what Daniel told the boys on SNR and what I'm reading right now, Mm -hmm. is going to have to be, what do you do about that center position? Do you take a a center in that first round? Because your pick is so late in the second round that if you don't drive up or trade up, you're probably not going to get that third center that fell to the early second round like Daniel speculates. So can you use that first-round pick on one of those big three centers – or are you going to dip your toe into that deep tackle pool, that deep cornerback pool, and then potentially have to wait for the center in round three or round four? Very tough decision mm-hmm. if you're the Steelers. To yeah. me, though, as much as I want that center, and I said go through the draft, get that center through the draft, that's the Steeler way, mm-hmm. that's exactly what I would do. I <laughs> uh, You thought I was going to go somewhere else. I, <laughs> I
2: did. did. I thought you were leading me astray there. Because even though
1: they need another tackle, mm-hmm. they've got their dog at right. tackle and Jones, yeah, and right. they need improvement on Dan Moore. But... If they drafted Jackson Powers Johnson in the first round and we have to go into next season as Dan Moore and Broderick Jones as your tackles, you want to still improve, but I don't think you're thinking that it's going to be a woeful offensive line or that it's going to regress from last year. Um, I guess what I'm saying is you can live with Dan Moore if there's an
2: upgrade elsewhere, a on significant that line. upgrade. Yeah. Right. So, it's not like you're going from Mason Cole to another free agent that you brought in. in that, so I take that the position. center there
1: because you already got your dog at tackle. And then if it's as deep of a class at tackle as Daniel says, maybe you can get a good starting caliber tackle in the second round with your second round pick to match with Broderick Jones. Uh, and then corners kind of the same thing. I want another corner. Maybe free agency is where you get a mm-hmm. cornerback too. Maybe the draft is, but you've got your dog at corner. You've got your number one in Joey Porter Jr. Um, you can't say that about the center position. I mean, right now, the best – Option you have internally is probably having Nate Herbig move to Hmm. center or James Daniels slide to center and Nate Herbig take his spot in the guard position. So um, that's where you're at right now with the center spot, whereas you look at your tackle, you look at your cornerback, at least the top of the position is pretty set, and it's just about filling in the pieces underneath that top guy. Um, So that's the reasoning why I would probably not take the risk on not drafting that center in the first round. I take a center with my first overall pick, and then it seems like the class is deep enough in a lot of other positions of need that I can get some value in the second, third, fourth, fifth rounds at some of the other spots. So, um, The the worry that he lays out about what are you going to do if you pass up on the center? I don't think they pass up on the center. Hmm. I think one of those big three are going to be there. Now, this is the assuming that the Steelers like all three of these centers. They might like Jackson Powers-Johnson. They might like Zach Frazier. They might not like Duke's uh, Graham-Barton for whatever reason. Just to use it as an example, Graham, I'm sorry. I didn't mean mm-hmm. to put you down. Uh, and if he's the only one there, then they go somewhere else because they just didn't like that center. But if if all things are equal, if they are, are high on all three of these guys, uh, I feel like one's going to be there when they end up picking, and I think that's the right move to make is to take that center and, and not have to – then wait till round three or round four to draft him. And now you're looking at a third or fourth round pick, maybe a free agent veteran retread like Mason Cole all over again, or moving a guy that you already have from guard to center as your center position. And I just, it doesn't seem like that's going to fix that position enough for me.
2: I also look at it as what's more pivotal to an offensive line and the, the production of the quarterback. Sure. The blind side, that that left tackle, you think that if you get another tackle, maybe you move Roger Jones back there and then move the new guy to the right tackle and leave Dan Moore Jr. as your backup. But the center position, I mean, how many plays, how many times did we see last year where the play was broken from the get-go because the snap by Mason Cole was too low or the protection by Mason Cole was insufficient? I think if you have your center, then everything kind of around him falls into place i mean you already have so many p it's it's very strange to think of the progress this offensive line has overcome in the past few years i mean only dating back to what 2021 and uh kendrick green's rookie year um the overhaul in talent you now have a first round caliber guy at one of the tackle positions in broderick jones You think you have a potential pro bowler in Isaac Ciamolo and you have at least a serviceable uh, right guard for you in uh, James Daniels. That's three pieces. You add one more, I think it can really start to come together as a solid offensive line. And I think, too, Tom, the most important piece is that center position. So I'm with you. I, I would personally prioritize the center over adding to a tackle to complement Broderick Jones on the outside? You know,
1: the more and more you think about it, the more and more my take at the beginning of this offseason of the team not being just a quarterback away really seems to be true to me. Like, they need a center. They need yeah. better at the tackle spot. They need another corner. They need help at inside linebacker most likely. They need to get younger on the defensive line. They need mm-hmm. another wide receiver. There's a lot of stuff that it's, they still need. To it's it's
2: very ignorant to think the that this team is of the only lists, quarterback away. I think away. are checked.
1: You've mm-hmm. got your TJ Watts, and mm-hmm. your Minkas, and you've got a George Pickens, um quarterback aside of course. You've got your two running backs, but it takes more than just on the surface to win championships. You need to be able to go down that depth chart and not drop off in much quality. So that's the next step for this team is to build out the rest of that roster to be championship caliber.
2: And I think, you know, we talked about this last, uh, on Tuesday, the last time we sat together to record, Tim Benz's point about saying, are we overvaluating this roster? And I think as a whole, it's definitely possible that some people are doing that. But when you look, like you just said, at the top of the roster, all the boxes are checked pretty much, in almost every at almost every position, I would say. But the depth is where this team is really lacking, and... You can't ignore that. And like you said, to think that just this team is only one quarterback away and you don't need to worry about the depth at offensive line or the depth at offensive or uh, inside linebacker, the depth of the cornerback position, or the depth behind Nika Fitzpatrick at the safety position. I mean, we've barely talked about that. There's a lot of pieces that are missing behind the main guys, right? On paper, the starters look like a really good team. And yeah, if you add a great quarterback to that team, on paper, yeah, that starting roster looks very dangerous. But these NFL teams are 53 men deep for a reason. You can't just get by with your starting 22 and that's it. Very few teams in the NFL have had the fortune of not having any injuries or any shakeups to the roster and not having to depend on those guys on the bench or on the sidelines for the majority of the season. Every single one of those 53 guys on that roster week by week matters. And to say that this team is only a quarterback away, one quarterback away, is completely ignorant to the state of the Steelers currently. You look around, there are, like you just said, many boxes still left unchecked in terms of saying it's a non issue. I don't need to worry about it. Let's look somewhere else.
1: Another position that Daniel Jeremiah brought up was the cornerback position. Of course, the Steelers need more help there. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., the fifth corner selected in last year's draft, pick number 32, technically a second-round pick since the Dolphins forfeited their pick due to tampering with Tom Brady. Um, Fifth quarterback taken, you couldn't say he was any worse than the second-best cornerback in that rookie class, though, Um, and I do think he was better than Witherspoon in... um, Seattle this past year. Witherspoon just had a better start to the season, I think. Joey Porter Jr. was locked down when he came in uh, as that starter. DeAndre Hopkins game uh, Thursday night being the most notable uh, point where he was inserted into that lineup, said, I want to take number 10 and did a phenomenal job doing that. It really spawned him being just a shutdown corner for the rest of the year. Some other guys that Daniel Jeremiah mentioned, some top 20 potential prospects are Toledo's Quinion Mitchell and Missouri's Ennis Raikstra. And two things that he notes about them, why the Steelers might have a lot of value on them, and I just Googled Ennis Raikstra did, in fact, meet with the Steelers already. That really means nothing. The Steelers meet with a lot of people at these places. I mean, remember Mike Tomlin <laughs> in the chicken wings with Malik Willis the other year at the, <laughs> at the at the the Senior Bowl or whatever it was. It's just, it's just doing your due diligence. But anyway, Raikstra did say that he had met with the Steelers. Uh, but Jeremiah notes that, you know, they have a lot of physical traits, and they're tough. And that's something that the Steelers will be attracted to. And he went on to say that you know, when I look at the corners that I've missed, this is Jeremiah talking, sometimes you get enamored with just their movement, the fluidity. But in this league now, you can't just play the position if you don't tackle anymore. The days of being able to say, we just pay you to cover, that's kind of gone with the condensed formations and them other teams bringing you into the mix every single time they come out. Uh, so you can't just play with the kid anymore. He just put on a guy in covers. That's what the problem was with Joey Porter Jr. at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what the Steelers said he needed to improve upon before they put him on the field. Is his tackling? He had a lot of big tackles during the season. I think he did a great job of getting better yeah. in that category. Yeah, um, definitely. That what, was something. That's what Jeremiah is noting here. Mm-hmm. Is like the new way to play corner in this league. It's yeah, you got to be a shutdown guy, but you also have to be able to tackle. Teams offensively are going to bring you into the mix and force you to tackle if you can't. They're going to go at you all the time and expose you. And Rakestraw and Mitchell are two guys that he notes are physical, not afraid to tackle, as well as being you know, top 20 first-round prospects at the position. Now, those are like the top of the line at the mm-hmm. position or, or some of the top of the line guys. Uh, this would mean taking a corner in the first round if you wanted one of those two most likely, and then you wonder what happens after that. Do they take the tackle in the second round? Is one of those centers still around? I don't know, but a physical first-round talent corner matched with Joey Porter Jr., who is very physical in a first-round talent, I mean, the potential would then be there to have the best one-two corner tandem in the league in like three years' time when they both really hit their primes. So there's excitement when you go that route. I'm not going to say that that's the route I would go. I obviously said I would go with the center at as I'm sitting here right now, but I would be pretty excited with the potential of a, say, rake straw and Porter Jr. tandem huh. at your corner
2: spots. I mean, yeah, especially considering, and this is exactly what we were talking about before we dove into the center or the cornerback position, the lack of depth or the lack of names behind Joey Porter Jr., are you going to be okay coming back for another season with guys like Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace, not to be too critical of them, but I think they deserve some criticism. Uh, they clearly were not up to par. They clearly were not up to the standard of which this defense usually prides itself on at its secondary. And you can't move forward with guys like that or, or 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 work from guys like that. And it's not fair to a rookie in Joey Porter Jr. last year to put all the weight on his shoulders. Thankfully, Tom, Joey Porter Jr. is an elite enough athlete and an elite enough football player that he could handle that responsibility. There wasn't a single receiver, no matter how good, in this league that Joey Porter Jr. went up against that had a a career day or had a typical day by them, right? We always talk about the Jamar Chase game, and we also have to add the footnote that a lot of the production that Jamar Chase had on that day – Against Joey Porter Jr. came on tip balls. So, is it really fair to judge Joey Porter Jr. in those scenarios? You have to consider that. So, overall, Joey Porter Jr. had a great season for a rookie, but it's a huge responsibility to say you're really the only cover guy we can trust. You give him some support, and then all of a sudden, you're not as you're not nearly as concerned because all all opposing teams had to say to themselves is, "Okay, Joey Porter Jr. is going to take away this guy." Let's attack the rest of the field in the secondary with everybody else because he can't be in more than one place at a time. You add, you bring in a second guy who, like you said, Tom, in a previous episode, you're not asking this rookie cornerback to come in and be the guy. You already have Joey Porter Jr., you already have cornerback number one. All you're asking this rookie to do is to be the complement, to be the the Robin, essentially, to this Batman and Joey Porter Jr., and that's going to be much easier for him. Especially if you bring back, if you bring a big, bring back a Levi Wallace or Pat Pete or whoever you bring in via free agency or whoever's still on the the roster come training camp. He's not trying to fend for himself to get that number one position. He's working himself into the roster. There's no rush to get him out there like there was for Joey Porter Jr. At least it felt like there was much more of a rush from the, the 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 media side and the fan side compared to the team side because the media was calling for Joey Porter Jr. to get inserted into that starting lineup for a long time before he actually was, before Terrell Lawson made that call. You don't have to rush this new kid into that starting lineup to play opposite of Joey Porter Jr. You can actually do what Mike Tomlin likes to do and ease the rookie into that starting lineup. I just think, I mean, I, I it's hard because we just spent so much time talking about the center and the offensive tackle position, but we could spend as much time, if not longer, talking about the, the need for a, a, a second corner to compliment Joey Porter Jr. Well, it really just, is a toss-up of where you think this team should go in the well, first Well, did you round. see
1: where the Chiefs, what the Chiefs just did, speaking of that second corner? With LeJarius Sneed. Yeah, they franchised Tag LeJarius Sneed and then gave him permission to seek a trade. So yeah. They want to tag and trade him um i don't want to give up any capital for him i mean i do if it's the right deal because he's a good to great cornerback but i just wanted him to hit free agency and the steelers to j- try to make him an offer and see if it doesn't sign. it
2: shouldn't surprise us though that no it's good that, move that was by the the move. it was a great move by um, them
1: they were said that they've they placed the tag on on Snead. he costs a little over 19 million dollars now this year but like i said they're going to try to trade him that means that their priority now though is to extend Chris Jones. Um, can't place the franchise tag on him now. They're gonna try to get a long- term deal done with him. And then as Jordan Schultu uh, does work for Kansas City or uh, does work for Bleacher Report, reported,, uh, once they figure out Chris Jones, then they'll see what happens with Sneed after. So like they basically just put the tag on Sneed, said, you're our property. But we're going to deal with you after we figure out with Chris Jones. And that's the smart thing to do for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Why would you just let that asset walk away for nothing? Could get like a second or a third round pick maybe from them from a team uh, in need of cornerback help. So sucked seeing that news. I was really hoping that Schneed was going to be able to slip through the cracks in Kansas City and make it to free agency. He did not. Another uh, big name that stopped by uh, with the drive on SNR yesterday was Greg Cosell. Uh, if you mm-hmm. don't know who Greg Cosell is, the NFL films guru.
2: If you don't know who Greg Cosell is you're listening to this podcast, what are you doing?
1: He's all over. The, he, like Dale puts it in his write-up, few people watch as much game film in the NFL yeah. than he does because he's the NFL films guru. Um, and the one thing that he was very high on when he sat down with our crew was the hiring of Arcer Smith as the offensive coordinator. Um, Obviously highlighting on him being a run game guy. um uh, base personnel guy. He plays with multiple tight ends. Um, obviously, he's asking the question if that's what he's going to do in Pittsburgh, but he thinks that it sets up well for him to do that in Pittsburgh because you've got two good running backs that are in place. You've got tight ends in Pat Friermuth, Darnell Washington, and and Connor Hayward that are proven can play at the NFL level. Um, they also have a pair of wide receivers who have topped 1,000 yards in their career with Pickens and Deontay Johnson. So uh, The pieces are in place for Arthur Smith to do the offense that uh, he would prefer to do, and I think the Steelers' rushing attack is good enough for him to have a pretty easy transition, getting his run first, run, run heavy offense off the ground and and up and running. No pun
2: intended. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think people who actually pay attention think the Arthur Smith hire is a bad hire. It's not the sexy hire. It's not you know a Cliff Kingsbury kind of thing.
1: It is the sexy hire though in terms of it's not internal for a change. Like what yes. is sexy about it? You Andy, know that's
2: the that's the ironic thing that we need been talk, coach. He, like that's sexy. We've been talking about for a while is that everyone says go everyone in Pittsburgh clamoring <laughs> to like, criticize the team and says, fine please go, go out and get out a guy with get experience. A, go get please go else. get a guy who's go not been on the it. team. Not oh you, want, guy. A guy, you not want, want a guy you want a, not that guy.
1: You No, not him. I didn't want him. I didn't mean him. I didn't mean him but I like the hire from Uh, standpoint of what his kind of offense is and the personnel that the Steelers have. But yeah, then all those reasons too: outside hire head coaching pedigree and very good success as an offensive coordinator prior to being a head coach. So yeah, I get what you're saying that it's not the sexy hire, but like
2: I'm pretty attractive. No, that's what I'm saying. People who actually know what Arthur Smith has done in his career can say, this is a great place for him to go when you think of the identity identity of Steelers football, especially given their identity right now, because their identity does not include a quarterback. And right now, Arthur Smith, his offenses don't really revolve around great quarterback play, so it really lines up for what he's going to try to do with this team. I'm excited. I just kind of feel like, once again, this team is starting off the season with a hand tied behind their back, just because last year, you know, we were all in on, on Kenny Pickett's progression, but that obviously wasn't the case. But we thought this team was starting the season behind with a hand tied the, behind their back because of Matt Canada's play calling and Matt Canada's, uh, I guess, presence, right? He he wasn't asked to leave and there wasn't a new hire made. But now that they have made the new hire, I'm still kind of weird on this offense just because, well, the quarterback play isn't really a lot to hang your head hot, head held high on uh i think you were trying to say hang your hat on there sure yeah it's a, it's a tongue twister for sure but especially if mason rudolph isn't on this roster i'm really going to be nervous because mike roffalo actually
1: said something yesterday on the nfl network during the combine about mason um that they are open to returning to the steelers but
2: they, they also in like mason's camp yeah, yeah.
1: but they mm-hmm. also expect a decent amount of opportunities to come outside of pittsburgh oh i'm too. sure.
2: However, kind of we, a non-report well, we, from Garofalo, yeah, but I yeah, mean, you right. got to
1: say that stuff. to. Just, we
2: always say what kind of work or what kind of offers is he expecting from from other teams? Is he expecting quarterback one kind of offers? Because he's going to get that in Pittsburgh. I don't know what many teams are going to offer that him elsewhere. I love the language, too,
1: because you're not allowed to talk to other teams right now. That's it is not the legal tampering period. That's only there's only a 48 hour window before free agency opens where you can legally tamper. Um, Yet somehow all of these amazing deals, these complicated incentive-based deals are are done in the Uh 48-hour window. So Mason's camp says, you know, we're expecting other offers from other teams. The the language of that is like, well, you know, we're just guessing it's our gut. You know, we don't know for sure. They've been talking to other teams. They they know for sure someone's going to float him a contract offer once the new league year starts in March. Interestingly enough that we're talking a little quarterback because that's what the key for Greg Cosell is to all of this Arthur Smith talk Of course it of is. This optimism. It's How the quarterback.
2: It dun, dun, dun. It's, it's, I, I actually think there's there's a little bit of pushback there.
1: I obviously— Well, let me explain to you why he said that. Sh- yeah, sure. Because I think me. you won't give pushback when you okay, see that. Okay, yeah, yeah, hit me. He said that you need Pickett to be highly efficient, and you need him when you go— to shot plays to be able to connect on those plays. Because if you're going to build around the run game, if you're going to have multiple tight ends, when you go take those shot plays, you're calling that with the fact that you know what you're going to get from the defense. The defense is going to be predictable, and you need to be able to hit those plays and, of course, also be able to convert on third down. So it's not like he wants Arthur Smith to come in and turn Kenny Pickett into Joe Montaña. He wants Kenny Pickett in this Arthur Smith offense to When it's time to throw 50 yards downfield over the middle to George Pickens because the dictates time to take a shot and we know what the defense is going to give us, you can't miss it. You can't overthrow. You can't put the ball in a position where George has to stop, catch it, and gets tackled instead of catching it on the run, leading him into the football. So I think what Cosell is saying, the biggest key is getting the most out of Kenny Pickett Getting the most out of Kenny Pickett isn't turning him into Patrick Mahomes. Sure, It's just making him more efficient and making him, you know, hit two or three big plays a game
2: that allows this offense to go from scoring 16 points a game to 26 points a game. Definitely. And, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. But I still think that in an Arthur Smith-led offense, that quarterback really, the the responsibility is lessened greatly. It is, but you still need to do what Tannehill did. Here's the thing is that. We're not having this conversation if Kenny Pickett makes that progression that we thought he was going to make last year. All of a sudden, if Kenny Pickett is is much better than he was this past year, you're not thinking like, "Oh, Arthur Smith just needs to unlock something within Kenny Pickett." It's no, this offense is now a legit operation with aspirations to being a top ten unit in the league.
1: Well, if Pickett took a step forward last year, like he was supposed to. Canada's probably still here. That's actually that's, that's a probably, great he's point. He's probably yeah. not fired as the offensive that's coordinator. A great point. Uh, which kind of gives you a little insight into who deserves maybe a little bit more of the blame. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say that Canada was doing anything to really help Pickett. uh, But one thing I will say about Pickett here, though, is um, I know that it wasn't the best staff, most experienced staff, when you got here. But now you've got a guy in Arthur Smith who is legit, and they've retained Mike Sullivan in a different role to allow some of that familiarity with someone that you had been working with since your rookie year and someone that, by all accounts, has a great relationship with Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. So I think the nest is built up a lot better for Pickett as far as the staff around him is concerned now in his third year. So, you know, kind of like with Alex Smith in San Francisco, not saying Pickett's going to be Alex Smith. Alex Smith's first overall pick. Harbaugh, get, Smith went through OC and head coaching changed like crazy. Could never really reach his potential. Everybody thought he's just a meh quarterback. Harbaugh comes in, and he gets the most out of them, and they end up flirting with Super Bowls. And, of course, Kaepernick comes in to finally get them over that hump, but Smith did great. Got another contract in Kansas City after that, and had really good years there with Andy Reid. Now I wonder if a similar thing can happen with Pickett where now he has the actual supporting staff necessary around him where he can finally reach the potential that everybody thought he had drafted two years ago.
2: Yeah, I would love that. And, you know, I mentioned... The Steelers coming into the season with a tan, hand tied behind their back because of Kenny Pickett, maybe it's not the case. You know, best case scenario is that you're able to say in hindsight, "Oh, Matt Canada was the root of all of our problems cuz you bring in a competent OC and you kind of switch up some things on the on the offensive coaching staff and Kenny Pickett is unlocked." Again, not saying he got he has to be Patrick Mahomes but he can be a serviceable weapon and a serviceable leader for this team. And maybe Arthur Smith is able to unlock something within him to get him to recreate something like Alex Smith or Ryan Tannehill. When Arthur Smith was in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, when they uh, achieved uh, incredible success on offense with Derrick Henry running for over a thousand or 2000 yards, Uh, the team making the playoffs, the team winning the division, just You would love to see that, but I I just have no idea. It's hard to tell right now. It's hard for me to buy in on the Kenny Pickett can be unlocked by Arthur Smith just because of even though Matt Canada, it's not fair to compare him to Arthur Smith because you're talking about a real offensive coordinator with a guy who just happened to get the job for three years on on a team that was desperate in need for an offensive coordinator. Even though Matt Canada unlocked very little, it's still, like you said, it's hard to separate the blame between Canada and Pickett. So you really are hesitant to say, oh, well, just because Canada's gone, all of the problems are solved. You can
1: gear up with the latest sideline apparel hats or jerseys of your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and the exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops. It's located at Acrisure Stadium, the Grove City Premium Outlets, or the Tanger Outlets, or you visit online at shop.steelers.com. We continue our positional power ranking next. Wide receivers are up, and it's a doozy.
2: It's That's a on- doozy. It's a
1: doozy. That's on the way on the Steelers Standard.